talked about that on your podcast, but figuring out your partner's love language is, is money in the bank. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 38 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, 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 do. Woo-hoo, fantastic. Episode number 38. You know, Christine, we're almost up to the 40th episode. Wow. Yeah, I'm not even quite to my 40th birthday yet, so I don't know how that's going to feel Me celebrating either, number 40. Me either, you know? Me neither. <laughs> whatever, old man. <laughs> old man, whatever, dude. As I call you, dude, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, Chris, what's been going on for your week this week? You know, it's been a regular week. Um, The weather's been pretty decent uh, here in San Diego. Sorry about anywhere else if it's not so bad. But I've been working, doing my usual thing, you know, driving, filling up gas stations, working around the clock, you know. And you're doing the schoolwork with the kids. You got them doing their Zoom meetings, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Zooming away. But, hey, just speaking of the weather... Um, I don't think that we talked about last week this crazy thing that's been happening in Southern California called the red tide and the bioluminescence. That's right. Now, is this still going on or has it been leaving us? Um, It's still going on. It's a little bit in northern San Diego County. But for those of you that have never heard of this before, there's this occasion or this time of the year, and it doesn't happen every year, but it's where these plankton overproduce what are plankton plankton are the little tiny fish um well little tiny oh, organisms are they that the, the, are they the uh, things that whales eat yes that it, and krill yes okay but um the plankton they um end up producing well like overproducing and it creates what's called a red tide and so off of the shore it creates water that's a little bit red and then like at, blood uh, like, like jaws just it, came you through know, here it does kind of look like like muddy like red clay when you look at it from the shore and then at nighttime, the when those plankton get agitated because of the waves rolling like pissed in, off. yeah, they turn bright, bright, bright blue, and they call it bioluminescence. It looks kind of more like a neon blue, doesn't it? Or like, well, a, how would you know, Chris? Tell everybody because we saw it on what night was that? We it went, was last Sunday. Was it Sunday or Monday? It was last Sunday. Maybe thought, it was last Monday. I think it was Monday. Maybe you know. I think you're right. Maybe yeah, it's Monday or maybe yeah, Monday. Yes, Monday night we went to the beach in La Jolla, and we saw the. It wasn't a lot because I do believe it was kind of fading out. It wasn't like moving out or moving away. Yeah, it was. But we were just on a hunt to try and find something. You know, on it was when Zeke went back to his other house, and I tend to get pretty down for a couple days after he leaves. I mean. I'm always his mom and I always will be his mom. But when he's not under our roof in our household, it's just kind of like a a sad moment even after going through that for five years. And so Chris always tries to find things to cheer me up. And right. so and he now, took me hunting for Neon Ocean. <laughs> yeah. So we went down to La Jolla Shores, to the La Jolla Cove area, if you're familiar with that area in San Diego. And um, as we're down there trying to find parking, which wasn't too bad, people right. people were there. There was like this little path walkway along this cliff side with all these seagulls. Do you see all the seagulls that were parked on the cliffs? Yeah. Were they seagulls? Because I thought they were black. So I didn't know if they were like black, like the black sheep of the seagull clan. I don't something. know. But they were 
were birds. They were like everywhere, uh, uh, like the big dinosaur birds. I don't know the big things. Oh, what they <laughs> pterodactyls. Call yes, that's what it is. pterodactyls. <laughs> they were all along the sea cliff, and they were all there. And we were there at night, and we couldn't go down to the water. But from the cliff side, there's a railing, like a fence, wooden, and a sidewalk. And from there, we were able to look over to the water, and that's where we saw some of the blue. What's it called? Bioluminescence. Bioluminescence. Yeah, and it was so bright. It was literally like somebody in those spots where it lit up. It was like somebody broke a glow stick under, right underneath the water surface and was like, Yeah, that's what it was like. It. Yeah, yes. it looks like a glow stick. Yeah, yeah, just very slightly. And Christine took a few shots on her phone. Um, I tried to, but my night vision on my iPhone 11, it was like super such delay. I hit the button and like five <laughs> seconds later, I take the shot. Well, that's too late because the thing's already gone. Yeah, I was grateful that we went and that it wasn't like there was a ton of people around because we ended up forgetting our masks before we left. And I was, as we were getting out of the car, I was thinking, oh, shoot, are we not going to be able to go out? Because now in San Diego, you have to have a mask whenever you are they outside say of that, your car. You know, they say that. But yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, mostly it's going into a store. But I fall. we talked about this last episode. I am a rule follower. And so I was starting to get anxiety. But there were very few people around where we were. So we just stayed together and we looked and we saw the bright blue and I was satisfied because I'd never seen it in real life. I've just been seeing it all across Facebook. So if you are a listener from a different area of the country or the world, look it up, the bioluminescent waves in Southern California and you'll see in some places it's like full on neon waves and people are surfing in it and it's so cool yeah i saw those videos too it was like i think somebody was on a you might have spent a surfboard and you could see the underneath the board where the wave was breaking right. behind the board it was like glowing mm -hmm. like like almost like kool-aid i guess like a bright kool-aid blue kool-aid is what it looked like yeah to me, you know? I, I wonder if because of those plankton if that actually does draw more whales to the area because isn't it like whale migration season two? Well, I don't know about whales, but I did hear that somebody died from a shark attack recently. Oh, up in Northern California, not what? here. Are you sure? I thought, yeah. it, I thought it was down here. Nope, Northern California. But it was in California waters, right? Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> so the sharks don't eat plankton. They eat people. Well, the people. Yeah. Just joking, kids. It's safe out there. Just joking. Yeah. Just, <laughs> if you see a fin pop up in the water, run the other way. Actually, swim the other way. <laughs> You know, unless you're Jesus. Walk remember the time I got stung by a, uh, a stingray? Oh, it's almost that time of year again. Yes, yes, I do. And I, I, I was dying. It was the first time that I ever met your parents. Yeah, uh, it was quite an occasion. It was the first time Zeke and I both met your parents, and then. You end up getting stung by a stingray like halfway into our beach day. And I knew exactly what it was when it hit me because it felt like somebody, it felt like getting a needle shot. Like you, every, everybody's got a shot before. It has that sharp needle pain and it was right in my ankle and I knew exactly what it was when it hit me uh. and I was like, oh no. So I like, limped out. In a little dramatic fashion, <laughs> like out. I lived out of the ocean, like it was a scene out of like a World War II movie, oh where my I'm gosh. Where, like on the beach, like crawling, like dodging Seriously. bombs and dodging uh, warheads. You and, were like, totally doing like the army crawl. I too. was like, I'm dying, I'm in shot. And then your sister was standing over you, and she was like videoing it and, she and was, laughing, like, Snapchatting it to her friends. And I was like, Don't do that. And then she's like, Pee on it. <laughs> and I'm like, That's not 
not Ned. No, that's a jellyfish. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. But they took me to the uh, first the shack, a, yeah, yeah, the lifeguard ER section where other knuckleheads also got stung. Probably like what ten or ten or twenty of them. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of people, but. Anyways, fun memories. So that has been an interesting week. And, you know, we are recording this on the weekend, which just happens to be Mason's birthday weekend, our little guy. Mason, the little guy turns a big eight years old tomorrow. Not today, but tomorrow. But today we had the party and tomorrow is his official actual birthday is tomorrow. And when he says a party, it was a, a not a typical party. It was us and his mother and his grandparents we've all been around each other we've had to for purposes of you know keeping going with childcare and all of that so please no comments about social distancing but um we did have just a little gathering for mason because he's you know it's been really hard for kids being at home during the corona the rona and so um we just put a little simple something together and I made him some Lego cupcakes. Oh, they were awesome. Christine made these cupcakes with these like chocolate cup, like chocolate mold um, Lego bricks, yeah. like made out of chocolate on top of the cupcakes. Yeah, I had the colored candy melts uh, delivered from Michael's and I already had the Lego molds and the little Lego guy figure molds for candy. So I stayed up late last night and I made those and... Anyways, it was great. And so shout out to Mason. Happy birthday, Mason. We're so proud of you. And we know eight's going to be great. And Mason is, uh, by the way, one of the cast members of the world famous Gem Boys show. (laughs) There you go, (laughs) podcast. And it's kind of funny that we're on episode 38 and Mason's turning eight. So it's just a sign that eight is great. That's it. Fantastic, babe. Yeah, and we have a very exciting episode for you. We have a phenomenal guest of funny gal and she just has a great story and we can't wait to introduce you to her we're gonna get right into that right after this hey there k2 crew we love having you as our loyal listeners to keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes check us out on social media yeah you can find us on instagram and twitter and don't forget to follow our facebook page yeah tag us in your favorite fun stories and guess what you might just end up on the show And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. I had the great fortune of attending one of her comedy shows just about eight years ago. And let me tell you, it was a packed house. You may have seen her in her previous television roles, or just maybe you've seen her on The Tonight Show or Good Morning America, NBC or ABC. She is a national headlining stand-up comedian. She finds great joy in acting and also being an author. And she just released two, yes, two new books. She rises late and her kids make her breakfast, Devotions for the Proverbs 32 Women, and the book Confessions of the Proverbs 32 Women. Welcome to the Chris and Christine Show, Carrie Pomeroli. Hello, guys. Hey, Carrie. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. It gives me time away from homeschooling, so it's a great joy. Oh, tell me about it. How many kiddos are you homeschooling right now? Um, two that I know of. I mean, I don't know. There could be a random <laughs> in the mix somewhere. It seems, it, it seems like four. I, like it's it's a case of village. I want to call like the teachers and just sob on the phone and be like, "I'm sorry, I ever doubted you. I'm sorry." You know, I actually did uh, that earlier this week with one of the boys' did you? teachers, and I said, did you? 
it's teacher appreciation day and I appreciate you so much. And if you would give me your address, I will send whatever you ask for. No price limit. I mean, I might, I might send my kids to your house for a field trip, but you know, whatever you guys need. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. And what area of the world are you coming to us from today? Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm in Hollywood, California. So uh, right in the thick of it. La La Land for sure. Awesome. Well, we are so excited. I've been telling Chris all week long, I've been really looking forward to this because first of all, I love following you on social media, love your style of comedy, and who doesn't need to have their spirits lifted right now? And I'm having fun making all my inappropriate memes. I feel like that could just be my, if somebody could pay me for that, I could do that for the rest of my life. Inappropriate (laughs) memes, huh? Yeah, like I wrote one the other day and I said, if you're getting in shape during this quarantine, I just want to let you know everyone hates you. Um, Oh, is that the same love you have for like the holiday joggers? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The ones that do the turkey trot, you know, we get up at like six in the morning to run a run a marathon. Yeah, I happened to log into your sexy Sundays this last Sunday when you were talking about meals that you can make with pasta. And I was like trying to, you know, be the let's add some veggies in. You were like, nope, no veggies, just straight pasta. (laughs) I I think I'm serving pasta over rice over potatoes. I think like that's become like the carbs. I mean, and it's kind of funny during this quarantine. I'm like, oh, this is what I look like a little like chubby and fat. Okay. I always wondered. Okay. Now we know this is my natural hair color. I haven't seen that since eighth grade. So (laughs) it's been like a social experiment that when we get out of this, I just want to see my friends. Like, what do we look like? A little heftier. If anybody looks in too good a shape, their friendship is over. <laughs> well, like, I if you have a weight bench in your garage and you're using it for anything else than folding clothes, like, I'm not your friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look at it like this. Technically, carb loading is like a, what Olympic athletes do. So we're just, yes. you know, modeling after our best practice. Yes. We I, are carb loading. There's no marathon, but I'm carb loading anyway. Or is it like bulk season? That's you always get excuses. It's bulk season right now. <laughs> I feel like we're all storing up for the winter, but yet it's May and it's 85 degrees. And I'm like, I'm just going to get a bathing suit with a skirt like my mother always wanted me to and like call it a day. Yeah, it's definitely like every mother's modesty dream right now where we're like, it's okay. Yeah. There's a little extra fluff. We'll just cover it up. You know, board shorts, I'm like, that's, skirt. That's why God, God invented the moo moo. I'm totally like, <laughs> they should have a website and just call it like fat dresses. Like that's all I want right now. I'm just like, what is flow? What I'm just going to become my mother and shop at Chico's and get all those like flowy clothing. And dress dress like the Bible. It's what they wore in the Bible. Definitely. Well, Carrie, we would, you are a funny gal and we would love to know when you first discovered you were funny. So you guys, I went to a very conservative Christian school in Michigan and I'm Italian and it was a Dutch reformed Christian school. And they bust in inner city kids from Detroit. And we started doing your mama jokes in first grade. So I think that that was probably the start of my, yeah, the start of my comedy career was with Quan Paxton and he was six and he had like a gold tooth. Like, I mean, I was doing deaf comedy jam from first grade at the Christian school. So I think when you're a comedian, you don't have a normal childhood. You're not necessarily the head cheerleader. So you use humor as a coping mechanism. I think that's a cliche, but it happens to be true. 
You know what? That totally is mind blowing right now because Chris is, we have three boys together. Well, three boys and we're a blended family. So Chris's youngest, our youngest is getting ready to turn eight and our boys have a podcast and his role is to be the funny guy. And so he's always cracking jokes, but you're right. It's totally a coping mechanism. I think that funny people get away with a lot more than non-funny people. It's like gonna that eight-year-old is the one that's going to do well in life. You want to be nice to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, we try. We try. Yeah, definitely. So were you like the class clown when you were in high school? Um, No, but I was the one that would get picked on and they thought it was funny. Like I had a football player boyfriend and they used to joke. Yeah, he's not very smart, but he can lift heavy objects. And uh, the football (laughs) players would love to antagonize me and get me mad at him for stupid reasons because they thought it was funny when I was mad. And I think comedy comes from a place of anger. I this is something that I've realized, like Kevin Hart, for example, Kevin Hart, do you like Kevin Hart? Yes. Oh, yeah. When he started out, And he was talking about his crackhead family. He was really funny. And then he got rich and famous. And I don't think he's as funny anymore because there's not that inner angst. Like he's talking about a raccoon at his mansion. I don't care, Kevin. (laughs) That's not relatable. I can't relate to that. You know, I want to hear about how your like your alcoholic father crashed your parent teacher conferences in fifth grade. Like, like I feel like problems make good comedy. If you're too happy and well adjusted. Um, like you guys do a podcast and be happy. And then I'll be the angry comedian. Guest. But, um, uh, well, we I all have issues, you know. Right, exactly. Um, or as my mother likes to call them, prayer requests. But uh, <laughs> I think comedy does come from pain. And that's the best place to, to be real. It is so true. And also life experiences too. If your only life experiences have been like living on a yacht and your mansion and your butler brought you the wrong lunch today, like how can that be like relatable, you know? Or if you take it to the Christian perspective, the first time I ever wrote a book, it was about dating because all the Christian books were like, I kissed dating goodbye and I got married at 18. And I was like, I I kissed dating hello about 1100 times and I'm still single. (laughs) And I really feel like in the Christian world, sometimes we give the illusion that somebody's had a perfect life. And every time I've written something or created something, it's to break that barrier and be like, um, they're lying. They're totally lying. Let's get real nobody has a perfect life. You know what I mean? Yes, I totally agree with that. So how do you describe your style of comedy then? Uh, I'm definitely, I get angrier and crankier as I get older. And um, I get some. Don't we all? Don't we all? I, I love to talk about nostalgia. Nostalgia brings me joy about like, Comparing my kids' childhood, like my kids, uh, you know, they have an Xbox and I had a refrigerator box. Do you know what I mean? Like they, right. <laughs> like we used to play, like we used to play like kick the can and they're like building like uh, Minecraft communities and like, you know, <laughs> a world. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, here's a hose. Like, why don't you just pray with the sprinkler like we did? Uh, I'm like, you don't need a cell phone. You need friends, you know, like real friends. So they think I'm ridiculous. And I think these kids today are wussies and they don't know how to toughen up and they don't know how to go on the merry-go-round wheel of death and see who makes it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Right. I love uh, that. <laughs> I talk about like I got my kids to slip and slide because I wanted to see if they could get a concussion, you know, like we did. <laughs> and so a lot of my comedy comes from parenting or um, I feel like the best comedy comes from the life stage that you're in right now. 
You know what I mean? So it's just sort of observational. You know, this COVID homeschooling is 30 minutes of comedy right there. I'm mastering my third grader's handwriting. So I feel like (laughs) I should get the A in third grade because I'm the one doing all her spelling. I wrote the book report on Frozen 2. I mean, seriously. So, um, yeah. So a lot of it's just in the moment. What's going on? Yeah. Now, I... I need some advice from you, Carrie, because first of all, I don't have a great sense of humor like Chris jokes with me and I take it super personally. But on the other side, I cannot tell a joke for the life of me. I either crack up and laugh at myself too much and then I I just stop or I just they're not funny. What what advice could you give a girl (laughs) like me? Okay, first of all, I don't tell jokes. And people ask me to say something funny. It's the worst question ever. I always just look at them and go, nice shirt. Because like today, my nine-year-old's like, tell me a joke. And I'm like, literally a professional comedian. I'm like, I don't know. So I don't think it's a matter of um, telling jokes. I think you just need to say the first thing that comes to your head. Because a lot of times we censor ourselves. Comedians don't censor. Comedians don't censor themselves. Like when my kids like, do you want to go to my little league game? I'm like, no. And she's like, why? I'm like, because they're boring and you don't keep score. And then she just started laughing. And I was like, because nobody cares about nine year olds playing basketball. Nobody scores anything. And so I also think a great parenting tip is to laugh with your kids and let your guard down a lot more. Because I don't know how it is in your house. You know, there's the, you have to be the authoritarian and you got to lay down the law. But sometimes we just do that so much to where we forget that they just want to, they need that relief to be a little crazy. And not that we're the ones always telling them to clean up and pick up. And um, I think it's a good diffuser of tension. When my 12 year old was being really attitude like, uh, how old are your boys? How old are your boys? Well, uh, the youngest one is, uh, what, he's seven now? I can't keep track. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. seven, Too many of them. Seven, 10, and uh, Christine, yeah, Christine's oldest is 15. Okay, so like the 12-year-old the other day was giving me so much attitude, oh, and yeah. I couldn't break her. And so I literally just started tickling her. And she's like, what are you doing? But she's like laughing. I'm like, you're going to laugh until you get that look off your face because it's messing up your face. It's going to stick that way. And then she just started <laughs> laughing. And um, I feel like sometimes we just have to be a little goofier than we're comfortable with to break that tension. Do you know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. That, I mean, it really hits the nail on the head because being raised in a very conservative Christian home, I love my parents. They were great parents, but there wasn't a lot of joking because my parents were trying to keep four girls in line and from, you know, crack the whip. Yeah. Not sneaking out. You you were raised in, you were raised in little women, basically. Yeah. A hundred percent. Which one are you? Which Um, one are you? Well, I would say that I'm Beth. No, that's your Beth. Oh, I've never, we love I've never Beth. seen the movies. So I have no idea what you're talking about. But. <laughs> Beth is the sweet one. But, you know, also, no, I do want to be Amy. You, maybe Amy. But a little bit you more. know what? You don't want to be like mom's the mean one and like dad's the fun one. Because my children's father is a comedian and he's like super fun all the time. And I end up being like the heavy. And I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, you got to like, I got to be cool too. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I got to get some cool kid points. But sometimes we get into those roles of like, uh, but in my house, it was wait till I tell your father. You know, it was very like typical oh, yeah. 19, like 1990s, like wait till your father gets home. And I mean, <laughs> this was old school where like dad could come in with a belt, you know what I mean? And you wouldn't go to jail. So I remember one time I was probably four. And do you guys remember Charmin, Charmin toilet paper commercials? Ha- well, like, you know? well uh, good luck finding at the store. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, about. yeah. So. 
back in the eighties, there was this commercial about this little girl who loves Charmin so much. She put, she put it in her pants to make her pants softer. So I knew I was, I would knew I was getting a spanking. So I put all this Charmin toilet paper in my pants and my dad just burst out laughing. And then I didn't get a spanking. So I won that one. (laughs) There you go. That's that's good, smart thinking there. But I have a recommendation for your boys. If they haven't seen it, the Jim Caviezel Count of Monte Cristo. Have you guys seen that movie with them? No. No, I never heard of it. It's so good. Oh, it's Swashbuckler and, you know, Pirates and Revenge. And it's just, I mean, it's clean too. It's like PG, but it's such a good, like, you know, get involved. But I mean, people bag on TV, but I feel like it's something I can watch with my kids, watch a movie, talk about it, get excited about it. Watching The Office with my daughter was actually really fun. You know what I mean? I love The Office. I kind of checked out when Steve Carell left the show. So, I mean, probably like a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. But then it's kind of like that. We have to finish. And then when he came back for the finale, we were all crying. We were like, oh, my God. Wait, yes. I didn't watch the finale. (laughs) You got to watch it. (laughs) No way. It it really wrapped up really well. Go back and watch like the last three episodes of the the whole series because they really wrapped it quite emotionally, to be honest. That's great. Hey, what is your thoughts on all of this too much like reality TV and not as much of the sitcoms? Bring back the sitcoms. You know what I'm saying? Chris, I totally agree with you. I think there needs to be more sitcoms. And I think we will see more sitcoms as the fall season because I think we're realizing that people really more than ever need to laugh. And everything is cyclical. Reality TV had its heyday in the early 2000s and it's definitely died down. So I'm hoping that we see more sitcoms. That would be fantastic. We would love that so much. But in in the meantime, before we see that coming out in the fall, how have you seen comedy evolving in this pandemic era? What's changed? Well, we don't have an audience anymore. And so when people gave me the idea to do virtual comedy shows, I thought they were crazy. Um, because how do you do stand up comedy without the gratification of laughter? Right. But I am a single mother and I have two daughters and I need to feed them. So I was like, yes, let's give it a shot. But I actually started doing some virtual comedy shows from my house. It will never ever replace a real comedy show. But it's a mix of sketch comedy and storytelling. And we've been raising money for first responders. And I've been doing some charity shows on Facebook Live and Zoom. And I've also been hosting some family game nights with me as the comedy host. And I've been having a really good time. That's awesome. Yeah, I would totally sign up to watch one of those. Now, do you charge people or how does that even occur on Um, an online platform? the, The churches usually sponsor it and they will ask for suggested donations. So when you're on a Facebook Live, there'll be a button that can be pushed. And we did one show where we raised $3,000 for first responders. So I was really proud of that. That's fantastic. I love that idea. And it's dual purpose. It's helping to keep you moving forward in your career and making people happy and helping people laugh. And it's also benefiting a very worthy cause. That's a fantastic idea. One I hadn't thought of. It gives me a reason to shower. So that's exciting. (laughs) Oh, wow. Now, when you do the Zoom calls, are you wearing like shorts from the bottom down, like dress, like fancy top? (laughs) Well, because I'm a comedian, I can get away with wearing a bathrobe as long as I make it part of my act. So uh, (laughs) I make sure that there's a joke about mommy not getting dressed for six weeks and then I'm good to go. Uh, You can do like a makeshift uh, carrot top kind of act with the props and stuff. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I just go through my cupboard and I talk about all the ghetto food I'm eating. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love that so much. So we were wondering how it is to be a comedian living in, as you called it, Sodom and Gomorrah, single parent, raising two kiddos as it relates to comedy. I think that uh, I've been really blessed. I have had opportunities to be a stand-up, and that means I get to write my own material. So I'm not challenged by material like I was when I was doing more acting. But I am a writer. I'm working for the Hallmark Channel, which is great, and they're really clean. I mean, they may not be the most... Yeah, but they're very, very clean. The notes are actually hilarious. They're like, you can't say yoga. It offends people. So I found my way, I guess you could say. Are you, uh, with the Hallmark one, are you doing the Christmas episodes? Uh, I do have one Christmas movie, but the one that we're working on is like a summer. I had, let me think. They haven't picked up my Christmas script yet, but, you know, we can make anything Christmas. That's like home of the Christmas movies. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and it's May. So we've, we've got to start seeing the Christmas movies like June 1st, right? Hallmark's like Christmas marathon. <laughs> but um, a Hallmark movie, all you need is like a girl and her ex-boyfriend from high school who's a lumberjack and a puppy, and you're good to go. Like, wow. And a, bed and, and a bed and breakfast and a snowstorm, and you've got yes. a Hallmark movie. Yes. You're good to go. Right, but she has to be like some high-powered attorney now in the big city that's yes, returning of home course. and then gets yes. stranded in the snow, and then you can just yes. dice that 20 different ways and sell it for and 20 then different movies. At, and then at the end, she's a princess and they yeah. go live in his castle. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So we're, we've got the formula. We've got, we've got the formula down, but we're, you know, I'm grateful to have that job. I hope I get to do more of that. And I'm working on some other scripts. I have a romantic comedy that's being circulated loosely based on my life and my first book, Guys Like Girls Named Jenny. Um, okay. And so I think the Christian world is slowly warming up to doing comedy movies, but we're a little slow to the party. Oh, really? Why do you say that? Well, you don't see a lot of movies that have a faith-based character that are funny. They're all about a kid running track or like a, a man climbing a mountain or like right. beating cancer. You know what I mean? Like like right. every Christian movie has their formula the way Hallmark has their formula. And um, we're trying to get comedy back into the mix, but it's not been an easy sell. Well, you sound like you have so many different interests. And I know when I was sharing your intro, you've had a background in TV, you're writing, you're in comedy. And you have recently authored not one, but two books around the Proverbs 32 woman. And then Chris said, what's Proverbs yeah. 32? Yeah, what is, Pro- what, what, uh, what is Proverbs 32? What, what is that one about? So, so basically, years ago, I would joke in my act that I could not measure up to Proverbs 31 because I don't rise early and I don't flap. And so I always felt like I'm never going to be good enough. You know, she gathers her food from afar. That's what it says in Proverbs 31. And I'm like, I do Uber Eats, God. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so uh, I always used to say, I'm not Proverbs 31. I'm Proverbs 32. You know, she never pays retail. I will submit to not going to work. And, uh, you know, she rises late and her kids make her breakfast. So the book is basically me as the Proverbs 32 woman talking about modern day life to the Proverbs 31 woman. So my message to the reader is, you know, we are constantly bombarded by messages about not being good enough and not measuring up. And if we get really into that, we could go to the Bible and feel bad about ourselves because we're not measuring up to this one chapter in the Bible, Proverbs 31 woman. But my take on that is that was one chapter and we don't even know if it was real or if it was an amalgamation. And so if I could have a conversation with the Proverbs 31 woman, 
what would she have to say to me? And I think it would be a message about God's grace. So that's kind of where the book started is really being a hot mess for Jesus and embracing that instead of feeling bad about it. So I had the opportunity to download some of the content from your Confessions of a Proverbs 32 woman. And I was actually reading through the devotional and I found that for me, specifically in this space of working from home, educating kids from home, everything being a little bit messier than it normally is, it just really gave me a lot of peace and levity. And so I definitely recommend the book. I've ordered my copy of both of them. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) The Christian faith is no better than Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood's going to tell us we're not skinny enough and we're not rich enough. But the Christian faith is going to tell us, you know, we're not good enough and we're not righteous enough. And, you know, it's just a lie. It's just a lie from the devil. And a lot of things are go bump in the road. When I became a single divorced woman five years ago, um, not my choice, not the club I wanted to join. I was afraid that I was going to have the scarlet letter and I wouldn't be able to minister anymore. And I'm happy to say that I've been lovingly embraced and I can minister from a place, which I'm sure you guys can relate to. I can minister from a place of authenticity of a group of women that I couldn't before. So it's kind of like warfare to just tell the devil, that was really stupid of you to do because you just expand my reach. You just expanded my reach to where I can speak to married women, I can speak to single women, I can speak to divorced women, and I can reach them in a place that I couldn't before. And I'm not going to stop talking about God's goodness. And I'm not going to stop hoping for all good things. Do you know what I mean? 100%. Oh, yeah. Like exactly the words that you're saying, even your timeline. Five years ago for me was when I became, I call it suddenly single mom. And I exactly the same thing. I was in ministry and I felt like I was going to wear this scarlet letter. It wasn't by my choice or by my actions that I came into that situation. But exactly as you said, after I emerged from it, I was able to minister to a broader group of women. And so your message is so true. And I think something that's so timely that so many women need to hear right now. And you have a cute husband. So how did that happen? I need hope. What? You talking? <laughs> well, Match.com. We're not married yet. Let's put that on the record. Okay. <laughs> We're but, just engaged. But uh, but yeah, we, one thing we well, have Well, you're all engaged, th- so you're willing to take the title. So let's just call it what it is. Like, you know, we're you're on the road to being the husband. Yes. Yes, definitely. And let's just say I made the first move. And he likes to okay. let people know that all the time. So Of course, she, she hit me up, by the I way. Did, I did. <laughs> I was like checking him but out. But how like, did you think that you were going to find a real Christian uh, on Match.com? Because I would think that might be challenging when people just write Christian as if it's, you know, gender. Uh, or just check a box. Like, uh, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's... it's um. Well, I think we found it out pretty early on, but Chris, okay, his dating profile was different than any other guys that I'd seen because oh, really? he, was, he was super straightforward. He's like, I'm a single dad. I have two kids. So I would work best with somebody else that has kids and is a single parent and understands the responsibilities. And it was just like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Well, that's how like, I work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was like, this guy's a straight shooter. Like I appreciate the completely transparent nature of this. And that's continued through our relationship that blunt on. Honesty 
<laughs> but did you put the God stuff in your profile, Chris? Uh, no, I did not. I don't. I you did I, say you were a Christian. Uh, yeah, but I think I checked the box like everybody else he does. Did. But I think what I pretty much did was kept it very simple because I know that if you draw out this big long like book in your, I mean, who's really reading all that? You know, most people are just flipping through right. pictures. So you kind of put your best picture forward, a couple pictures, don't overwater. And by the way, enough with the multiple selfie face shots. You know, like we don't need all those. You need like. <laughs> I mean, pictures. I hope that you did that, Chris. I really hope you did that one that the guys do at the gym with like the foggy mirror and your shirtless with your. Oh, I said that one earlier. I have one like that too, but it's from like years ago. <laughs> it was from a cruise ship, a cruise ship mirror, and he sent it to me like a, like I don't know, like two weeks in, uh, maybe. Maybe we hadn't even met in person yet, and I was like, "This better not be inappropriate because if so, it's <laughs> over. You're gonna block." I this have one. to. I have. I have to laugh. Today is my friend Greg Martin's birthday. I'll give him a shout out. And Greg Martin is a really dear friend of mine. I've known him as a an actor, and he um, he went through a divorce like ten years ago, and we've just been buddies. But I don't see him very often. So Greg Martin turned sixty five years old today. Okay, and he posted this selfie of and he's never on social media. He posted this shirtless selfie of him, and it's not retouched. And he goes, happy senior citizens day. I will not go quietly into the night. And he's got like six pack abs. I was like, oh, this is so LA. Like, this is so Los Angeles. He looks 25. I was like, I've restructured my thinking on dating older guys now. Uh, But I think if I ever date again, all I want to know, Chris, is do you snore and what's your credit score? Like, that's all I care about. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, Good good and good. Well, he told me like on this, like the third week that we were officially dating he like opened up credit karma and he started bragging about his I credit love score it. and i was I like love i it. think i'm well, in love the thing was pro- the years prior it was uh, it was like literally in like the fours or 300 <laughs> range. oh god you know so like for me to build my credit score and build an empire i call it because i came yeah, from right. nothing i came broke i was broke came from nothing i was like i didn't start on third base you know, so right, right. Um, I had to build. I built everything. I bought a house. I did everything in the last like, awesome. five years, all by myself. After the divorce, like, like divorce was like, uh, you know, supposedly a low point. And then after that, I was like, screw the hell this. I'm gonna do it myself. Do everything myself. Buy a house. Buy cars. Buy all the stuff. And here I am. And I get. Chris and so, how are you guys? Um, how is the blended situation? Do the kids like? Obviously, they know each other and they hang out. Has that been challenging? Um, at times it was the first year it was like honeymoon period. My son and Chris's oldest were like getting along like gangbusters and it now has its, its little bumps in the road because it's changed birth order. So by having my son come into the picture, he's now the oldest where Chris's son used to be the oldest. And so negotiating and then the two oldest are very strong leader personalities. Alpha males. Yes. Competing. Yeah. uh, and then uh, Jacob, our 10-year-old, is um, like a lot more mature than a typical 10-year-old in terms of the things he yeah. talks about. And so they are closer to being at the same level in terms of their interests and hobbies and things like that. And so it's definitely like a jockeying for position. So I don't know, just last weekend, I sat them down and I was like, gentlemen, you're both strong leaders. Um, at some point, you have to be willing to follow one another or play separately because there are different bedrooms, you can go to them. You don't have to play together. And actually, it might be a little bit better for us if you don't. So, (laughs) Have you ever seen, okay, I'm going to bring up a movie that is not uh, Christian, but have you ever seen the movie Step Brothers with Will Ferrell? Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. (laughs) 
oh my God. Like I cried laughing. Like I, when they were like, can we have bunk beds? Can we have bunk beds? <laughs> I mean, that movie made me fall over like laughing with the stepbrother stuff. Yes. It's so hilarious and quite the opposite of our reality. <laughs> but They do go to separate houses. Like Christine's uh, son goes back home and my kids go to my ex-wife's house, which she lives maybe like, what, three miles away from here? Yeah. You know, whatever. So they go back and forth pretty regularly. So my ex-wife and I have a fairly decent relationship when it comes to figuring out what to do with the kids and stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm still navigating that road with my son's father for it to be, you know, a little bit smoother. But he does go between um, Fresno and San Diego. So it's, you know, about a good six hours apart. Yeah. Well, and I have a unique situation because my ex-husband, Ron, is a comedian and we basically have been quarantined living together and we've always been, yeah, well, we're like best friends. So it's really weird. It's not, we're not angry. We did not have an angry divorce. There were other reasons, but um, so we've basically lived on and off together under the same roof. I, I mean, he's had an apartment, but we when quarantine happened, I was like, just stick here. And I bought a house and I have a roommate. So our situation is like a sitcom. Like if I, I don't date, <laughs> like I always go, like if a guy came in, I'd be like, okay, there's Ron, he's my lovable ex-husband on the couch. Like is you it, guys can cool go fishing though? together. Would it be cool though if you yeah, brought somebody 99, over? I, yeah, he, he would probably laugh about it, but I'm too busy. Like I have a nine and a 12 year old and I have a guy who takes out my garbage and I have a guy who does, um, I don't know, 90%. 80, I don't know, 70% of the husband things I would like. So I'm like, maybe we're like a lot of married couples. We have separate bedrooms and, uh, you know, we get along <laughs> way better divorce, like way better. We're not married. We don't live like a married couple, but we don't fight like a married couple too because the expectations are not there. It's not God's first choice by any means. You know what I'm saying? But uh, we kind of just have, I, my whole theory is you make it work. Like yeah, you absolutely. make, you make it work. Yeah. And that actually, it's so interesting that you bring that up because the situation that I came into when I started dating Chris is exactly that. His ex-wife needed to live here in the extra bedroom because Chris worked nights and they needed to have this schedule where there was consistency. Oh, wow. How did you, I, I how did her, you handle I, that? I, well, I let her come come into the house because she was in an abusive relationship at the time. And so yeah. so rather her being like on the streets or whatever, I had the extra bedroom. Sure, sure. And I'm, I had this big house I just bought. And I'm like, just me and the kids or whatever. So I'm like, okay, if you want to use the extra room, you can stay in here. Did you get along with her? Uh, sometimes and sometimes <laughs> not. You know? yeah. So, yeah, what's the I mean, that's me too. Nothing's perfect. And like, you know, I, we get along better than when we were married but there's still those moments where I was like okay you need to go you know like there's reasons that you're divorced but I feel like every situation is its own animal and we can't judge anybody for how yeah. they do things it totally and when I came in Chris told me on our very first date like within the first 15 minutes and I was like it's fine Chris like are you romantically involved and he's like not at all and I was like it's not a big deal to me because I know as a single parent navigating my way through co-parenting and living in a very expensive area like LA is and like San, Di San Diego is, there's all of these other considerations. And so mm -hmm. 
um, you know, we went along in our relationship and then um, his ex ended up getting engaged to her fiance and there was the shifting of households and we're in this place now. And all I have to say to you to encourage you is every situation works out eventually. And if you so choose to go out on the dating scene, I right here can help a sister out with setting up your match <laughs> profile. I'm just saying. Pretty good luck. <laughs> but we are you guys do you think that it's I mean, I know it's kind of putting you on the spot, but like, it's easy to get comfortable being single and not having to deal with that other person that's staring at you. But I, I would hope that when you're in a better relationship, that it makes it all worth it. Like, do you feel like, you know, the pros outweigh the cons? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely been an adjustment period from my perspective. And I was uh, single for five years. And then Chris was single for how many years, Chris? I don't remember. You know, I, you know, I, I was kind of off. Do you really consider it single? I would date or whatever, but, but like, like the, have a serious relationship. Yeah, I think it was uh, about maybe, not that long, maybe a year or two. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. But post-divorce, you know, about six-ish years. And what we've talked about is for the two of us, we clicked, we took it slow enough um, to really get to know each other. And we we became best friends. We talk about that all the time, that we really are each other's best friends. And what we have now is so much stronger and more healthy than what we had in the past. And so, um, yeah, it, it feels... Well, my ex-husband best friend just walked in and gave me a post-it note that says... I need to go to the post office. Can you take care of our daughter? So I guess our our communication is going really well, Ron. It's going really well. Say hello. Fantastic. I love it. We love it so much. And say hi. Like just say hi. Hello. He's hey, real. What's up, dude? Um, yeah, it's very cryptic. He's like, I need to go to the post office and drop off a letter. What is it? An Wait, are they letter? open? Are they closed? Like just it's, drop off. It's a mail. Mother's Day card from my mom. Oh, he has to go mail a late Mother's Day card and try to express mail it. Oh, so I thought uh, he was yes. going to go and mail you just, a Mother's Day email. card. Just send an email like everybody else. <laughs> yes, send, send a Skype greeting. Wait, to, it's Mother's Day for you? I've already texted him telling him it's Mother's Day on Sunday. Like I literally texted him two days ago. Go, you have five days. The kids are not making homemade cards at school. So oh, I just yeah. want to give you fair warning. And I said, you know what would bless mommy if the kids would clean my car? Like, that's all I want. Like, just clean my car, maybe mop a little. That's my love language right now. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you know, I had my kids uh, wash my, my truck and wash my neighbor's car for them. And they made some cash on the side uh, one, one Saturday. So that, one is, that is a wonderful love language. I don't know if you guys have talked about that on your podcast, but figuring out your partner's love language is, is money in the bank. Yeah, Chris's is acts of service and mine's affirmation and quality time. So yeah, we definitely know. He washes my car and I sit out there while he washes it and I just tell him how much it means to me and then I take the trash out and we're good. <laughs> but Carrie, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. So people can find information about your newest book at Proverbs32woman.com and they can find you also online at CarriePalm.com. You're on Facebook. Are you on Instagram also? Yes, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. And I recently, to my 12-year-old's horror, have just joined TikTok. Yes! What uh, is this TikTok? I hear Yeah. About. I go, maybe I shouldn't because there's predators on there. And then my daughter goes, Mom, I don't think you're what the predators are looking for. <laughs> <laughs> you ever know that 65-year-old like, guy? Oh, yeah. I was like, I am on the TikTok, girl. I am. Your mommy is going to rock out with some embarrassing videos. That's so awesome. Well, 
for our listeners, definitely check out Carrie Pomeroli and check out Proverbs32woman.com and show her some love. Order your books. It's definitely going to lift your spirits. And we just want to thank you again so much for joining us on the show today. Well, thank you guys. And I wish you all the best. Thanks, Carrie. Hey guys, what's up? This is the J Boy Show. I'm Ezekiel. And I'm Jacob. And I'm Mason. And don't forget to listen to our new uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. We and talk about sports, motors, engines, and all kinds of stuff. And like YouTubers. Stuff and YouTubers. So don't forget to subscribe and listen in every Sunday. All right, and keep moving forward. Keep forward. Well, that was a super fun interview, don't you think, Chris? Oh, yeah, I totally agree. That was super cool. I thought it was really interesting how Carrie was saying that her comedy inspiration or some of her comedy content comes from a source of anger. What do you think about that? Well, I think that most of us do have emotions and uh, it does drive us to do things. And I do believe that uh, funny people naturally have um, like we all do have hurts and sorrows in our background and our past. We all carry baggage with us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that baggage can be used for good or we can just wallow on it. I think that that's a really insightful take on it. And one of the things that I'm reflecting on is growing up, I was always taught to be like the good girl and um, you know, well, in, no one's ever taught to be a bad girl, but no, but like when it comes to emotions to not always show them and to like keep them under control. And, you know, I was sharing with Carrie that it's hard for me to figure out how to be funny. And I wonder if part of that is because I bottle things up. I bottle up my emotions and I don't use them to fuel me in a productive way. Like you have this wit about you. You're super funny. Oh, and yeah? I tell you that all the time. Oh, thank you. But more than slightly sarcastic. And I think that like I try not to be sarcastic because I'm always worried about like, am I going to offend somebody? PC Christine. That's your new nickname. Right. PC Christine. So how do I get out of that, Chris? How do I get myself to loosen up? Well, I would say is that you really have to, um, you should filter, but probably maybe not so much. I don't know. I mean, gosh, it just comes out. I think also it's the delivery of anything. You can be you, you a funny, real funny person, a really good comedian can say the alphabet and make people laugh. Yeah, like, that's just, true. Just the way they say it. Um, I can't pull that off. But <laughs> <laughs> well, some people, somebody can, I'm sure. Well, I just, I do struggle with figuring out how to be funny and maybe I'm overthinking it, but I've always wanted to be that kid that was the class clown instead of the teacher's pet. And I just never could figure that out. It's just not a skill set that I think fully developed. And I don't know if it's because like I'm a more serious person by nature probably, or if I'm like Pollyanna positive because I tend to be... I don't know who that is. Who's Pollyanna? What did you say? Pollyanna? I can't even say it. Pollyanna? Pollyanna? You've never seen that movie? No, I don't know that. Are you kidding me? What is it? Okay, we're watching it tonight. Pollyanna, she is this little girl, or this like preteen, and it's a Disney movie, and she wears like these braids, and she sees everything as like glass half full. She can turn any situation into a positive. Does she have like magical powers? Um, kind of like magical happy powers. Is this like a? Is this like an off branch of like the Avengers? No. No, far off branch. It's like it's like a different co- comic episode, way off in the future, different different realm of the Avengers, right? No, no, she just silver. I call it silver linings things. Like she silver finds, linings is her sidekick. N- so, no, <laughs> she just figures out how to wrap a silver lining around a really unfortunate situation, and I think that 
I tend to do that. And I wonder if people that struggle with really leveraging a sense of humor are like me, where they try to wrap things pretty with a bow instead of embracing the mess. And I actually embrace the mess, but more get aggravated and angry with the mess at the same time. So there you go. You're welcome. You're all welcome. And That's so- fantastic. And thank you. And I'm sorry, Christine, <laughs> for uh, getting all crazy and stuff, like you say, but uh, that's yeah. how I am. You know, it's, I, something happens. I'm very emotional, but very quick to my emotions, like, ooh, you know, like, like stubbing your toe, you know, like, ah, and then you just like get over it. And then I'm more like, I, I stubbed my toe. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how long ago did that happen? When the- <laughs> you're like, um, are you hurt? Because I can't even tell right now. I'm like, I'll be okay. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I got a baby and I got to carry upstairs. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> but that was, I loved that interview. I was really looking forward to having Carrie on our show. And I'm really excited for her to be able to branch out and do some of the virtual comedy shows. And I'm definitely going to tune in for the next one that I see her post. And we would love for you to sign in whenever you see one of Carrie Pomeroli's virtual comedy shows and support her too. That is fantastic. And now we are going to change gears and bring it, that's right, all together Back to you as we do our new Shout Out Central. Well, technically, it's not very new anymore, is it, Chris? Well, it's new to us. <laughs> I, I don't know. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? We're, well, we're figuring this thing out as we go along. But here we're going to do is we're going to bring out some cities that we found in our listening feed this week. Well, actually, we're going to start with countries. Oh, yeah. I did it backwards. Sorry. My mistake. Mm-hmm. We're going to start with our countries. Christine's going to do it first. And what do you have for our countries, baby? Thank you for listening to us this week. Our friends in Canada. Yes. And Ireland. Hey, Ireland. Hey. And yeah, the United States. Well, of course. <laughs> Thank you, everybody in those countries that are listening. And if you want to dive deep, deep dive a little closer into the United States in particular, we have these are the cities in the U.S. that have listened this week. There's been more, but these are the ones I'm going to shout out and thank shout you. Out. Yes, shout out and thank you for listening in Kansas City, Missouri. Woohoo, top listener city this week. One of the top listeners, yes. And then going over to New York, the city of Amsterdam. Now, I thought Amsterdam was in Amsterdam. In the Netherlands, right? Yes. But is there Amsterdam in New York? There must be Amsterdam, New York. Or maybe because it's American, it's like Amsterdam or something like that. Amsterdam? I don't know, because things are like... Amsterdam? I don't know. Things are pronounced differently when they're in other countries. So it's like Amsterdam in the Netherlands. You gotta put your New York accent on it. Oh, so how would I do that? Amsterdam. I can't even try. Amsterdam. No, no. Well, I got to figure out where the state (laughs) Amsterdam is located because what if it's like super far in the north where they're like so far out of the city, they don't even talk like that. Well, so it would make sense, though, that there is a city named Amsterdam because like back when the colonies were originated in the United States, there was an area called New Amsterdam. So there there was? Yep. Where? I don't know. Over in New York. (laughs) The, the fake news there, Christine. No. Christine, our fake okay. news correspondent. You go on with your cities. I'm going to look this up and I'm going to come right back. Well, we have one city left to do. And the next city we got is Conroy, Texas. Conroe. What did I say? Con- Conroy. I'm it's Conroe, Texas. I wrote it down wrong. Conroy? Conroe. Conroe or Conroy? Conroe. Con- okay. Con- I'm going to take a cut 12. Um, Conroe, Texas. 
Thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys in Texas listening to us. And I hope the weather's nice over there and nice and warm. And is Christine is looking at her phone right now? Yes, I found it. So first okay, of where all, is it? First of all, New Amsterdam is the name of a show on TV. I didn't realize that. But New Amsterdam was a 17th century Dutch settlement established at the southern tip of Manhattan Island. This served as the seat of the colonial government in New Netherland. It be, uh, the factory became a settlement outside Fort Amsterdam. So it sounds like... Amsterdam and all of the things Amsterdam related were very, very prominent in the New York area. You're welcome, Chris. Well, thank you. I just schooled you. There's your homeschooling. There's your coronavirus COVID-19 distance learning for the week. Thank you. I did. I use our Zoom as I'm looking across to you. This is a virtual. This is like a, a virtual like, classroom. This, this is the 3D version of Zoom. The 3D realistic version of Zoom as you can get. She's in the same room with me. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well... Thanks so much for a fun episode, Chris. And I don't know if I've told you lately, honey, but thank you for all you do to make this podcast fantastic. Oh, that is fantastic for you saying that, <laughs> by the way. And thank you for uh, saying that. God, I'm speechless. Speechless now. I know. See, I left you without a word. Oh, well, thank you. And on that note, thank you guys out there for listening. And we will be back to see you guys next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right, forget about the ones who don't, and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.